1: Hello, my friend, and welcome to Catch Up with Louise Makshari. If you are listening for the first time, thank you so much for taking a chance on little old me. I'm so happy to occupy your ears along with my brilliant guests and contributors um, for the next hour or so. I hope you're feeling well uh, and I hope everyone, whether you're listening for the first time or the 54th or 55th, I think this is maybe 56th time. um, I am so glad that you're here and I really appreciate you listening and supporting me and my work. Hope you had a good week. Um, I had like, I don't even know, a very intense week. I went to um, Barcelona with some friends of mine. We haven't been away together... Oh, my God. I mean, possibly ever, but certainly not for a really long time. And we used to, some of us used to live together and we, you know, all spent loads and loads and loads of time together in our 20s. But as you know, if you are heading towards your 40s, that gets harder and harder as people have children and people move away and, you know, you chat on whatsapp but i think this weekend really revealed to me that you don't really you know you really have to kind of sit down face to face no kids with a bit of time to really get to down to the brass tacks of how everybody is and what's going on with everybody um and boy did we do that um there was five of us over the weekend i described it on my instagram as just like taking turns crying over delicious meals and it was a bit like that not that everybody's in crisis or anything but it was just like you know we're at um i guess a stage in our lives and and we think maybe the pandemic has something to do with it as well. Something about our age, I think, you know, late 30s, turning 40, having had all of this like reflective time about what's important about your life that can make you really, you know, have a lot of feelings and a lot of thoughts and a lot of things you want to express. Um, so it was a really amazing weekend. We also laughed our heads off very extensively um. It was a really, really brilliant time, uh, but I feel feel like I have an emotional hangover, basically. haven't been able to shake off the thoughts and the feelings, Um, but God, it was good. I would highly recommend, if you haven't done that in a while with your pals and you're kind of checking in on WhatsApp, but you haven't actually all been together for a while, I think it's a really good idea. And I know we say these things all the time, but, you know, saying them and then doing them are, are often two different things. Other than that, I took Sam to go and see the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, actually should have kept this for recommendations it's actually f- very decent family film Um, not that boring which let's be honest sometimes when you take your kids to the cinema it is very boring and 97 minutes the dream that's all I want is that hour and a half it's perfect um, and he absolutely loved it so if you have a kid in your life who you think might enjoy it I would recommend it other than that I've really just been flat out with the old work oh I was nominated for a VIP style award if you don't mind um which is always really nice um I kind of think you know when I get nominated I remember the first time I've been been nominated a good few times for VIP style awards and every time it really means a lot to me because um you know there aren't that many if any of us girls who are not thin and kind of fitting into the classic mold up for those kind of nominations um so even though I'm not necessarily someone who's like hell-bent on winning awards and I probably won't ever win because I am a perennial loser it's just in my blood it's how I was born I'm fine with it I've got I've got other traits um but but uh just being part of it being in the magazine I you know it means a lot to me I like to think about you know a teenage girl uh flicking through it maybe who's in a bigger body and thinking oh you know that's a door that's open to me because there wasn't anyone like that when I was a teenager and it would have meant a lot to me now I will say the photo that is in the magazine the outfit I do not like and I also don't like my hair so look that's fine we'll just put that to one side (laughs) I could do better is what I'm saying. Um, But I'm really excited because last year I couldn't go because I got COVID, which was so annoying and inconvenient. And it meant I missed out and it meant my stunning outfit um, didn't get worn on that occasion. But I have big plans for this year um, and I'm very excited to get dressed up. That's what it's all about, isn't it really? Getting dressed up. Um, Anyway, you can vote for me if you want. I am not overly concerned about that but if you'd like to go to the VIP website and the option is there. I'm nominated in the sustainability category. I do not think I am the most sustainable woman in Ireland Um, but I make an effort, you know, um, genuinely make an effort to shop less and wear what I have more and try and buy thoughtfully from good places. I'm not perfect. I don't think any of us are. Um, But as I say, any nomination is a real honor and I mean that sincerely. Okay, we've got lots to talk about today, and the interview this week is with a housewife. It's Margaret Josephs. She is a housewife from The Real Housewives of New Jersey. Um, I'll tell you a little bit more about her before you hear our chat, but first, let's catch up. Uh, and it has to be said, this is a bumper edition of the news with Aoife Moore. Aoife Moore, honestly, like, is this the busiest work week of your life? Hmm. And tell us why.
2: Remember I quit my job and now I have more work than I could ever deal with.
1: A few weeks ago she was like, I'm unemployed. I was like, bitch, you are not unemployed. (laughs) You have so much work. You Um, are freelance.
2: So by the time this comes out, people will be getting up. They'll be eating their brekkie. They'll be like, huh, I wonder who's on the late late tonight. (laughs) Well, my friends, it is I. (laughs) I am on the late late tonight with (laughs) my partner in crime. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Farmer Taoiseach,
1: Bertie Ahern. <laughs> how, many, how many times have you met now?
2: Beat me and Bertie. Yeah.
1: Mm, before, four or five. So you're best mates, basically. Best mates, yeah. but we've never done
2: a talk show together, <laughs> so- which... We're going to be like the odd couple. We're going to be like Boris Johnson's dad and Toph when they were on I'm a celebrity.
1: I mean, I personally loved that. So I think that's going to go down an absolute scream. Now, tell us for for the uninitiated. Yes, for the
2: uninitiated, we are in now the throes of the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement. Um, Bertie Ahern was the Taoiseach, the leader of Fianna Fáil. At the time of the Good Friday Agreement, um, it would not, and I say this without any qualms, it w- the Good Friday Agreement would not have happened without a lot of people, but it wouldn't have happened without Bertie Ahern and the interest he took in Northern Ireland uh, and peace in Northern Ireland. Um, much to the dismay of a lot of people in his own party, mm-hmm. I would say as well. Um, so myself, Bertie, and they're not a hundred percent about the other guest, but another key player from the time, and they've asked me, um because I'm a gobshite. No, um, because um, I am very famously from the North. You you are. <laughs> it's true.
1: You are very famous. It's because it. you mention it within 30 seconds of meeting any single person. It's actually wild to watch it happen in it's, nature. It's,
2: it's, it's mad how I, I can just put
1: it on anywhere she really just loves being from dairy people are like, and I love oh. that about her
2: people are like oh do you want do you want a coffee and I'm like yeah I love coffee and they're like do you want milk and I'm like milk dairy I'm from dairy <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's not inaccurate and <laughs> um, well I'm sure lots of people will be watching you tonight and um, I will definitely be watching and it's been great to see you do your work so well because obviously Thank you were so articulate on this issue issue on this subject mm. is better I think okay. Okay, we've got loads to talk about and we're going to start with the big spice bag controversy of 2023.
2: This entire thing just made me want to eat a spice bag. Like there is no way (laughs) that this weekend won't pass without me getting a spice bag just because I've talked about spice bags so much. Uh Many thanks um, to Adam, Mr. Spice Bag. (laughs) So there is an artist um, from Dublin who created a print. Uh, He used a famine-era eviction portrait and superimposed or photoshopped a real picture of Gardy assistant and an eviction in North Dublin City. Um, he makes a lot of political art mm-hmm. um, about North and South and about the, the place and people's attitudes towards the place. This piece of art, specifically the eviction, um, was tweeted by the Sinn Féin housing spokesperson Owen O'Brien and he tweeted, no words needed. Well, if Owen doesn't need any words a lot of other people needed them it caused um, a lot of uh, I would say both genuine and faux outrage yes so Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil not so much Fianna Fáil I would say but Fine Gael definitely Fine Gael TDs you know took great excitement about this He said they said that Owen Brennan and Sinn Féin were disrespecting the Gardaí that they had, you know, um, put Gardee in the fire in line when it comes to evictions. Now, when we're going to see so many evictions, they're turning Gardaí into the enemy, etc., etc. Um, Owen Brennan spoke with the the AGSA, who represent Garda uh, inspectors, and they said he said... That absolutely was not the case Mm. Um, and he didn't mean to cause any harm. Then he was further owing himself, was further criticised for apologising. This has rambled on and on. The artist himself is selling the prints for um, a housing charity. All the money goes um, to charity. And it has really taken away um, the attention from the housing, the eviction ban, Mm. and onto this uh, really non issue mm. um, I think um, so Patrick O'Donovan who is the Minister for State said that it was crass and ignorant and he said it, it would give the public an insight into what life would really be like with the Sinn Féin Minister for Justice and um, Listen, I understand. That's such,
1: it's such a stretch. Like.
2: It's such a stretch, right? <laughs> but I would also say, if when, when people who are Gertie or your family who are Gertie and who were genuinely being trolled online for their family being the Gertie, that's absolutely not acceptable. And I, I do not think that's what Owen O'Brien was doing. Um, Mary Lou McDonald was then forced to come out and answer for Owen O'Brien, not for the first time that she said to do this, and say, you know, it's absolutely not the case. However, I feel like the main question that needs to be asked is, why have the government put the Garda in such an impossible position? Yeah. Because the Garda attend evictions to keep the peace, the peace. right? Mm. So no matter what happens in this eviction, it is always going to look intimidating when the Garda show up. That's yeah. just, that's a matter of fact. That's not the Guardi's fault. No. The government now have put the Garda in an impossible position because the Garda have to be there to keep people safe. Yeah. And we're going to see now thousands and thousands of fictions. I mean, like, you're going to be at them. Mm. So, Simon Horace, the Justice Minister, everybody had a lot to say about it. And then the Tonight Show happened. Mm. <laughs> and that went viral. Um, it went viral for a number of reasons, but I think um, a lot of the people on Twitter... In Ireland, are young people who are facing an eviction mm-hmm. or facing you no know, serious housing issues
1: or certainly living in fear exactly. let's be real everybody um, who rents everybody who rents mm-hmm. is living in fear in some capacity exactly um adam um the artist the
2: artist known as spice bag was on it um with uh george hook uh Carthy, and fionn sheehan and you know uh, he, he was taken to task um, by the presenter um, by and by Shannon Sheehan and he made the point that if your reaction to this painting is the feelings of the Gardaí or what may or are hypothetical feelings of the Gardaí or what might happen to the Gardaí and not the people being evicted from their home, we might want to reassess where we are as a country. Um, but... The main thing I took away from the tonight show was there was a lot of the context of the painting was being missed. Yeah. And I think for a lot of politicians, willfully missed. Yeah. The other thing I would say is I felt it was very foolish of Owen run. He should know this long in politics that anything that is a bit tongue-in-cheek and anything to do with gardy Fine Gael and Fina Fuller are going to hop all over it. Mm. And he just handed them ammunition to distract from the very real fact that thousands of people are going to be affected this month.
1: Yeah, I think that was what most people felt frustrated by was the fact that there was so much conversation about this painting, painting, piece of art. It's not a painting. Certainly Spicebag didn't paint it. But, um, you know, there was so much chat about the piece of art and And not enough chat about the fact, as he pointed out himself on The Tonight Show, about the, you know, the real crux of the matter, which is that people are living in fear and that, you know, these experiences are happening and that they are very intimidating, you know. And like, I think that's the frustration is there's a general feeling of disconnect from, I think, a lot of people who are living in fear in the rental sector at the moment. And People who maybe are concerned about whether art should be political, you know that disconnection. I would also is point out that
2: I was what do we say 99 percent of art is political.
1: Yeah, I mean that that whole thing. Obviously, I mean that that was unfortunate, shall we say? Because yes. you know you've already you've, medi- you've immediately lost. Just watch the clip. Watch the clip. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the reality is the the fallout from the eviction ban being lifted. Is ongoing, and there was a big drama this week with the RTB and uh, their figures on how many people were set to be evicted.
2: Yeah, things couldn't be going worse actually for the government and the people who are set to be evicted. The Dublin Enquirer, um, which is an online newspaper um, based in Dublin, if anyone hasn't read it, please go on and read it. It's they do really good work. amazing journalism. Yeah. Um, they cited an email exchange on the fifteenth of February between the RTB, which is the Rental Tenancies Board, and Department of Housing officials about the data that held the number of eviction notices that have been served. The staff member said, um, from RTB to the department official said, I wanted to flag that the RTB will be publishing data on notices of termination received by the RTB in Q3 2022 on the Data Hub section of RTB website today. Then, according to the article, that triggered a request from the department official to hold off on publishing the figures until the following day. There is no reference to the delay in the subsequent emails released under Freedom of Information to the Dublin Inquirer, and the data wasn't published until the 10th of March. It's my birthday. Um, (laughs) A few days after the government had announced it was going to lift the eviction ban. Now, this has caused... Ruckus because very much the feeling is that the government wanted to hold off on the number of the public knowing the number of eviction notices until they could announce that they were left in the ban. The taoiseach of Ragger said that the government did not have the exact RTB eviction numbers when they decided they left the ban. Although then he said, but regardless, we would have left it anyway because yeah. their point hasn't been, you know, the amount of people that have been evicted. Their point is it would cause more damage in mm-hmm. the long run. He said that's absolutely not the case. Uh, he said that one reason the decision was made to extend, not to extend it was precisely because there was an acceleration of landlords leaving the market. Mm. The notices to quit were increasing and we extended by another three or six months and that would have left us with an even bigger problem down mm. the line. So basically, if they'd waited, it could
1: have been 12,000
2: exactly. instead of 4,000. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, Michal Martin also rejected the suggestion that they had put off the data and then... Yeah, he said we didn't. No one delayed any figures, and uh, the Dublin Inquirer have stood over the story, mm. said the request was made. Was made, even if the start department official, like uh, this is hypothetical, but even if they went off their own back, I don't think the department official was doing it because he fancied it. Mm. It was very much. It's, it appears to me it could have been very much a feeling within the department. Mm. Like this is this is going to be bad.
1: So, anyway. Well, it would seem like, I mean, we don't know. We don't know no, what anyone don't. felt. We don't know what anyone thought. But, it, but like, you know, it he, seems yeah, exactly. unlikely and that then, you would get details that actually it's a way bigger number than we thought it was mm-hmm. and not think, oh,
3: not yeah, have a little exactly. alarm bell go off.
2: Yeah, and then the government, the Tannis just said, you know, it would have been, the government wouldn't have changed the decision irrelevant of the figures. And it wasn't going to be the deciding factor. Regardless, <sighs> Thousands and thousands yeah. and thousands of people are being evicted, and there's nowhere to go.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like, this is the thing. And then this morning I read that the government has underspent on housing by one billion,
2: billion euro. In, in capital funding, they handed back one billion of capital
1: funding for housing. Like, like what? Like the issue. OK, let the, brass tacks. Forget eviction notices. Forget, you know, government decisions. Brass tacks. There are not enough houses. That is the problem. There are not enough houses because if there were more houses, there would be places for people to rent. Rent would stabilize. We would not have an issue.
2: I I don't want to tell you this in case your head explodes over my house. Last year, the first full year of government's housing for all plan, 471 million euro went
1: unspent. Like, I'm sorry. How are people not this is an emergency i know i think that's where it, that's that's the frustration and like i will i literally before i came in here i was googling adhd and empathy because i do think that i'm like beyond like i have like I an abnormal like level of empathy but like i my heart is broken like i live in rented accommodation So okay. li- i'm in a very lucky position we rent from a family member so i don't have the same level of fear that other people have but it's still there it's always like, there You know, and I have children and, you know, I worry about all that stuff. But beyond that, every time I hear someone say, someone I know posted on their close friends this week, I can't. Please, guys, does anyone know anywhere I Mm. can move into? Mm. I can't do the homeless thing again. 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 Like, and, and, you know, there are, I heard someone else say, I can't tell the kids we're moving again. Like, Mm. and these are relatively mild situations. Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't know how. If you were in a position where you could actually do Change something about something. this, how are you not entirely consumed by it every waking moment of For the day? For me,
2: it's the 12 years in government that Feeney Gale have. You know, I know they say they can't, you know, houses can't be built overnight, but it's been 12 years.
1: And you're not spending the money. And the money's not being spent. You're not spending the money. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, God, I actually can't. I can't. I can't, like I'm not an expert and I don't no. claim to be an expert. I'm not an expert in politics. I'm not an expert in housing, but I'm an expert in feelings and I don't understand <laughs> how they are not consumed by this feeling that I am consumed by. We are an expert you have in the feelings. responsibility of the well-being of the people of this country in your hands. How are you not weeping? It's also that we declared an emergency like four years oh ago. Oh my God, Eva, I just can't, I, like I, we have to move on because okay, I'm going to, I'm actually fully going to lose it. Okay, this is nice. Yes, Citizens' Assembly on biodiversity, a little palate cleanser for us.
2: Yes, so uh, the Citizens' Assembly on biodiversity, we love a Citizens' Assembly in this country. Uh, 159 recommendations to the state in order to protect biodiversity. Um, And yeah, we haven't been good. So the group (laughs) expressed disappointment at a perceived failure to adequately fund, implement and enforce existing laws and policy. We need to change this, so we need Mm. to increase expenditure Um, for the enforcement of, like, national and also EU biodiversity laws. Um, So we, another emergency, declared a biodiversity emergency in 2019. Um, And it very much appears that nothing really has been done. So the 99 citizens that are randomly selected had seven meetings over 10 months. And this report was put together to... Basically ensure a healthy, safe environment as well as constitutional commitments to protect natu- natural worse, resources, food, water and air. Mm. Um, Dr. Eileen Avine Nihuluwan. Who is a, an absolute legend? yeah she's pretty well known. Iconic. Um, she said that listen, this is up to the government. The money is in their hands. The recommendations are a call to action. They, the Citizens Assembly can't force the government, but they said that we need to reevaluate all our current practices for the whole of society, including industry, agriculture, and social enterprise, national agencies, and government departments. Mm. Um, this is a, the bigger issue, in this is is climate, mm. and we have seen you know we're starting to really feel the effects of climate change now and that is a big effect of climate change It's loss of biodiversity we're seeing you know our natural species species going <laughs> extinct you know birds fish and this it needs to be acted on now mm. um she said that the state was the worst offender when it became to breach in laws protecting natural habitat oh don't like that Um, She said the state has fundamentally failed to protect nature and one of the most worrying things about it, it was that the biggest transgressor of its own laws and EU laws.
1: So, we need to get our shit together. Okay, so I guess when I said that I needed them to be thinking about the housing crisis every minute of the day, they can also spare a few minutes like for Like with the birds. I mean, look, I just to go back, I accept that there are lots of things to think about when you are taking care of an entire country, but like, you know, just maybe spend the money, okay? Um, okay, let's talk about Donald Trump getting Yay! arrested. Yes, bitch. I <laughs> love this. I The spin has been... Spectacular.
2: I would say I lived in a constant state of panic. We're talking about having too much empathy. Yeah. I worry about the world as if like as if I live there. Oh, me too. Um, so when Donald Trump was the president, I walked around in like a general state of panic that this man had the nuclear codes and could start a war at any point. I'm not saying his tenure was successful, mm-hmm. but he didn't full on start a world war, which mm-hmm. for an American president, pretty big deal. So this this is low stakes for me. I love this night. Donald Trump was the first president. Ex-president of America to be booked and arraigned at a Manhattan courthouse for payments he made to adult performer Stormy Daniels to keep their short-lived affair secret when he was running for president in 2016. My God. He was, uh, yeah, so there are 32, I believe, 32 different charges, both state and federal, um he was arraigned on what day is today thursday so he was arraigned on tuesday yeah i think yeah. so yeah he's arraigned on tuesday um <coughs> uh, the footage of him going in and out of the courthouse he turned up with his entourage the secret service he was brought into the boils of the manhattan district courthouse we saw that the poor people who were there to get married on the day <laughs> couldn't go anywhere because there was thousands and thousands of people and couldn't press um, when he was leaving the courthouse after being arraigned, um, the security man didn't hold open the door for him and the door had him in the face.
3: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Donald Trump
2: um, has been told by the judge not to create a hullabaloo. He wasn't ultimately banned, but he was warned. I have a feeling he will be back in court next week and held um, with a proper caution or whatever it is. He's went through the litany of conspiracy and complete. He said there was an onslaught of fraudulent investigations. The (laughs) claims are unfairly targeting him, ranging from Russia, 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 to dual impeachment hoaxes, the boxes hoax, hoax, which is where he stole a load of mishandled classified information, and the persecution at the hands of the Attorney General in New York. He said the only crime I have committed is to fearlessly defend our nation from those who seek to destroy it. Um, the thing is, this isn't up for a debate. The payments were made by a man called Michael Cohen, who has already been to prison yeah. for making those payments to Stormy Daniels. They falsified information is where Trump's Roll, crimes, yeah. alleged crimes come in. Mm. So they said that the payments that were made to Stormy Daniels were just payments for Michael Cohen's retainer. Mm. But we know now that they were to pay off Stormy Daniels to stop People finding out during the cam- campaign that he had had an affair with a uh, adult performer when he was married. Mm. That in itself is uh, business fraud mm. and also campaign finance mm. fraud as well. This isn't the worst thing Trump has ever done and no. it won't be the worst charges he ever faces. It just so happens that this is the first one that has come to arraignment. Yeah. So he's been charged and booked. And now it well he's been released um on his own recognizance. Yeah. He went back to Mar-a-Lago very quickly. Um and now and now we wait. See, I the would thing also is, say last night
1: that Donald Trump Jr. posted a picture of the judge's daughter yeah, on social media. I saw that. How disgusting. The problem with these people is that obviously Trump went back to Mar-a-Lago and then made this big speech like he's still talking about Hillary Clinton's emails and like Hunter Biden's laptop and like it's like man move on but the problem is the people who love him really believe this spin that he's some sort of like marsher for the cause and that like you know he's being unfair conservative values Mm -hmm. I don't know and that like he's you know, being um, persecuted and that, you know, this is all just a a, a conspiracy against him. But the thing is, you know, the political, like what's actually happening politically in America would indicate to me that, you know, people are not buying into it as much anymore and that he just doesn't have the power.
2: A lot of people are saying now that, like even people who really liked him, it's just like, it's just too much drama. Yeah. Did you see the statement he put out in the aftermath of it? Oh, oh, I'm going to read it. I'm not going to do the impression but the and then capital letters great patriots inside and outside of the courthouse on Tuesday were unbelievably nice. In fact they couldn't have been nicer. Court attendants police officers and others were all very professional and represented New York City so three O's so well. Thank you to you all exclamation point. So well, Three O's was sending me. Like, that's a man who doesn't get anyone else to read over his copy. He
1: certainly does not, because he's the best, Eva, No one can do it better than him. That's true. He um, alone can fix it. I look forward to um, seeing his continued ludicrousy. That's not a word. It is Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Um, Okay, just to finish up, I just really wanted to acknowledge the thousands of students in America who are making their feelings known about gun control. I have found this so incredibly moving. Yes, the kids are all right. Just as I, in the same way that I find the young women in Iran who are continuing to protest, despite the fact that they are literally in danger, their lives are in danger, and they keep fighting, to see these... Tens, teenagers tens oh. of
2: thousands of students walked out of school um in tennessee uh and marched to the state capitol um so march for our lives is a pretty well-known yeah gun control or gun control lobby group as started by the children of marie marjorie something high school it was a florida yeah shooting. there's been so many marjorie it's already, taylor marjorie taylor yeah so, students, parents and allies from all over Middle Tennessee um, marched to the Capitol to tell lawmakers that more needs to be done to end gun violence. So, they want representatives to pass the law to end some, some semi-automatic rifles. Like, they're not asking for much, uh, mm. salt, like, assault rifles. Sorry, Marjorie
1: Stoneman Douglas High School. Jeez. Yes.
2: Um, so, students were saying that these weapons are weapons of war. They have no place in the hands of civilians. And... This is what the protest was about. Um, so one little kid who was interviewed said, "A gun is a killing machine. It's not designed to do anything other than kill and destroy." What are you? Why are you distributing this to your citizens? Um. So this was t- this took took place at ten thirteen Monday morning, exactly one week after six lives were taken. In the convent school shooting, when we know a young person um, went into the private convent uh, convent school and shot Covenant students. Covenant school, I think. Covenant school. Yeah. Went in and shot kids and their teachers. Yeah. I don't know how many school shootings we've talked about on this. Um, and I would also point out, I have family who live in Tennessee and people have their own um, values in different parts of the world. I totally get that. But there is also a common sense argument. And my cousin, who is a nurse in Tennessee, who has treated people with gunshot wounds before... Um, posted on facebook that she said that she had seen people saying well you know kids throw rocks at each other um, you know and it's not the rocks fault and it's not the rocks fault it's it's the people's fault and she made the point she was like yeah but my eight-year-old son could probably outrun a rock you know this is the type of argument that they're putting across it's like guns don't kill people people do Mm That is the most ludicrous... This is the only country in the world where this continues to happen. And every time it happens, they question why it happens. It happens because of their gun control legislation. Joe Biden came out in the aftermath and was begging, like Barack Obama before him, begging people to help him pass gun control legislation, but he cannot do it because the Republicans in the House are beholden to the gun lobby who spend millions of dollars, billions of dollars on Republican
1: lawmakers. And I don't know where they sleep at night. It's honestly, it's so disgusting. Like, how can you be okay with kids going to school with bulletproof backpacks and being trained? You know, on on like, I saw a poster in a in a primary school classroom this week with like a song on it that's like instructing them what to do if there's an active shooter. Like. Yes you know you're teaching your kids a nursery rhyme about where to hide if someone's shooting in the school yeah how how do they i mean truly how do they sleep at well, night it is,
2: it's the onion headline you know the onion headline like why does this keep happening in the country where this only ha- this only happens you know it's listen i always felt after sandy hook that if they could weather babies being shot that nothing was ever going to be ever change and that's genuinely how i feel i don't feel like after sandy hook yeah. If it doesn't change them when it was a kindergarten?
1: Well, you know, the thing is, this generation of young people in their teens and 20s will be the first ones who have lived through things the way that they are like when I lived in America when I was in high school in America which was 20 years ago just over 20 years ago we did not do gun safety drills well, and
2: Columbine the first
1: yeah what year was Columbine it was after I left America yeah. anyway and yeah. um, so like you know this is a new generation and they may not be as willing to be paid yeah. off having lived through it mm-hmm. as you know older the older generation is um, and I, I feel really optimistic watching those kids yeah. walk into the state capitol and I feel really hopeful because they are dead right, they absolutely deserve better. Okay Aoife, so we have talked for 27 minutes, which oh. is way longer than we're normally allowed to, um, but I've enjoyed every second of it. too. Enjoy the late,
2: late tomorrow night. Please everyone watch and be nice about me because as we know, the men rarely are,
1: so... <laughs> Now, Margaret Josephs is a housewife on The Real Housewives of New Jersey, which is one of the older franchises in The Real Housewives. And I think for that reason is one that a lot of Irish people haven't checked into yet, even those who've gotten heavily into The Housewives. Um, I absolutely love it. It's quite different in tone to other franchises. It's a lot about family, particularly the early seasons, and even the most recent seasons, and there's a lot of kind of family conflict. It's got a lot of comic relief in it as well, and a lot of really, really great Housewives. Teresa Giudice or Giducci. she kind of changed the pronunciation of her name um, although actually has she changed her name again she got married, she could be a different name now anyway she is one of the OG iconic housewives, she's been on it from the very beginning, she went to prison she has been through it and she is still on there Um, kind of ruling the roost uh, but I love Margaret Josephs and I jumped at the chance to talk to her because she is a real straight talker, um, I knew when I got a chance to talk to her that she wouldn't kind of hide away from any questions and um, I had 10 minutes so this is swift and I wasn't able to get into things as much as I wanted to but I was glad to get a chance to ask her about a question that recently came up on one of the Patreon mailbag episodes which was about a potential conflict between feminism and being a fan of the housewives which I obviously had a big take on and if you want to hear that head to the Patreon you can hear it in the last mailbag episode also this week uh, Madonna. Chat went up with John Sullivan of Gogglebox Ireland, if you want to listen to that. But anyway, um, I I was delighted to get a chance to kind of put that to her. I also asked her about the Housewives trip to Dublin and about the pressure on them to look flawless all the time and what impact that kind of has. And she's really smart and she had really thoughtful responses on all of that. So I really hope you enjoy this. It's Margaret Josephs from the Real Housewives of New Jersey.
0: Hi, Margaret. Hi, Louise. How are you?
1: I am good. Greetings from Dublin, where I gather you visited.
0: Oh, my God. It was our best trip ever. I loved it.
1: Was it? I, we're so excited because I know it's on next week's episode or this week's up. Ep- no, next week's episode. And we can't wait to see it. Tell yes. me about the trip.
0: Oh, the trip was I just want to tell you, Louise, it, we all agreed unanimously that it was our favorite housewife trip ever. The people were magnificent. Dublin was, you know, Ireland as a whole was just such a beautiful country. The people of Dublin are just so welcoming, so fun. We, We just loved it. It was just great.
1: Oh, I love to hear that. It was funny, actually. I am like... I've loved The Housewives for more than 10 years. And um, so people kind of know that I like The Housewives. So I was getting updates about all of your whereabouts. People kept messaging me going, they're here, go there. And I was like, I am not going to follow these women around town. But people were so excited that you were here. Um,
0: Oh, that's so nice.
1: Yeah, no, no, massively. Um, I'm interested to hear uh, what your thoughts are on how the season is going. It's kind of action-packed.
0: Oh, the season's you know what? Every season I'm always like, how can we outdo last season? It's not even possible. And I think we have the new ladies on the show and they brought a great new energy. And it's just, it's a great season. What else can I possibly say? I mean, I don't love every single moment with all the <laughs> drama. I, I like more of the fun times in Ireland was that but yeah it's a, it's a great season and i'm I'm just so happy everyone's loving it.
1: You were once a new housewife. What's it like to come on and be new to a
4: cost? I
0: think you know what it's it, I think it's different for everybody, but I mm-hmm. think you you're just hoping like you're going to fit in with the ladies. Um, you're you're wondering, oh, my God, am I going to get in an argument with someone? When I came on, I was like, oh, my God, this has to be scripted. It is not scripted at all. So I wonder if the other girls thought that I did not watch the show like some of the other ladies did for years. So I think, you know, they might have had more preconceived notions. I didn't know what I was getting into when I had come on the show. So what what made you decide to do it? What uh, they had asked me. Because they had asked me another season and I and I declined uh, Mm. season six. Mm. And then by the time season eight came around, I had a lawsuit. I was like, I need a business boost. Mm. My son was away at college and I was like, you know what? It's just perfect timing. And I was on TV here already doing a lot of things on my business. I was always on local news stations and things like that. So I was like, you know what? My life is a crazy mess anyway why not
1: and how do you think it's impacted your life
0: i think it's impacted it for for the better and you know obviously some amazing things have come out of it it's i've made great friendships i have had an, an unbelievable platform for charity events it gives you a voice And, you know, it's impacted for the positive. I mean, are there some negative aspects to it? Absolutely. But on the whole, it's it's been an amazing experience and ride. Yeah, because
1: I think, you know, obviously I'm not in your life, but from watching, it seems like your life has changed only for the better, really, since the start. You know, your relationship seems to be incredibly strong. You know, you seem to be happy, but it's, it's, you know, your franchise is so much about family. I suppose it's moved away slightly from that, but there is still this family aspect to it. Um, And watching, you know, Joe and Teresa and Melissa have this conflict that's been playing out for years now. I often wonder, you know, would it be different if they weren't on TV?
0: Truthfully, I don't think so. Really? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I I don't. It seems like because when they came on the show, their relationship was back fractured before Mm. they even got here. It didn't seem like they were as close right when Melissa and Joe came on the show. I think families are complicated and I don't think it was absolutely the show that did that.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I, I actually agree. Um, oh, but I was interested to hear your take because it does seem I like think, they're yes. so different.
0: I think it magnifies it. I yeah. think if there's an issue, it magnifies it. If your relationship is great, it magnifies that. Mm-hmm. I think whatever issue it is, it just puts a spotlight on it.
1: And things look like they're still really good for you and Joe Benigno. I love the way you always use his full name.
0: I know. (laughs) Uh, Yes, exactly. Joe, but exactly. Um, I'm very, he's very easy. Mm. And yes, we, we're very blessed. We have a beautiful relationship. The show hasn't caused us uh, any fracture in our marriage. And I'm also very, my kids are much older. I Mm. keep my family very private. So I think I get called out a lot for that, Mm. but um, I think that's why it's worked for us. Well, I,
1: I think that you are a really good housewife because I'll tell you why I think, because I think you are very um, direct. You don't, you say what you feel. And even if there are parts of your life that you're keeping private, the parts that are a part of the show, you're very open about. What do you
0: think makes a good housewife? Thank you so much. You're Thank welcome. You, Louise. I, <laughs> uh, I think what makes a good housewife is someone who's authentic, transparent, uh, doesn't say what they think the fans want to hear but thinks what they really feel someone who's raw um someone who could show their warts mm-hmm. and all and but can you know make up for it a- apologize someone you know who shows all facets of what it is to be a woman uh, in in today's world and and I think that's what's important it's not about be- having money just have or being beautiful or Mm. because every and being vulnerable and Mm. I think some people have a hard time doing that I think as you stay on the show it becomes easier for some of us and uh, as you stay on the show it becomes harder for some of us
1: yeah it's interesting what you said there about uh, showing all facets of what it is to be a woman because I recently had um, a listener ask me because I talk about the housewives a lot and but I also talk about like women's rights a lot and I don't view those two things as being not connected but she said you know she was like I really want you to explain." to me how you are okay with watching The Housewives. She was like, I've never watched it. But she said to me, it looks like it's kind of doing feminism damage. And I had a lot to say about that. But I'm interested to hear what you think about people who come from that perspective.
0: I think that that perspective, they haven't really watched Housewives. I think there's all types of women on Housewives. And I think it really shows um, the different types of women there are across the, dem- the demographic of, of the world mm. truthfully I mean we have women who are very liberal like myself who mm. are very comfortable in their skin we have women who are struggling with being comfortable in their skin women who are in traditional marriages women who are divorced mm. I think it shows very strong women it shows women who are evolving who maybe who were in traditional marriages and who are coming into their own mm. I I think you know and so I think it's, it's the opposite of not being a, a feminist. I think so. I, people don't understand, or people say we're vapid or cause mm. we're fixing ourselves. Well, guess what? I mean, there's such a backlash right now that women are losing weight or they're, or they're, or everybody's on, you know, a version of an OZEPIC or, mm. or a GLP one or whatever. Well, guess what? Because women are improving themselves and there, and there's come something to, Oh, do it the traditional way. You wouldn't say that to a man. Um,
1: Do you feel like there is though, you know, an incredible amount of pressure on you guys in terms of your
0: appearance? I think there's anybody who's on TV. It's not housewives per se. There's an incredible amount of pressure in society Mm -hmm. on people's appearance. It's Mm -hmm. and, but it's just, there's a spotlight on us. If you see yourself in three dimensional, (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, on TV, high mm-hmm. def TV, mm-hmm. you're going to yourself apart. I don't care who you are. Oh, yeah. Even even my husband, who's the least vain person. He's like, whoop. he goes, I got a I mean, that doesn't mean he's doing anything about it. I, I. But I'm just saying anybody, I think society pressure, social media, mm-hmm. everybody there's pressure on. I think women are more scrutinized and I think women scrutinize other women more mm-hmm. than ever. And I think as soon as women do improve themselves, everybody's willing to jump on you. If you don't look great, they're willing to say something on you. As soon as you do something to change yourself, you didn't do it in the right way. And I think it's a sad commentary.
1: One word to describe the rest of the season?
0: Um, fabulous.
1: I love it. Thank you so much, Margaret. You're a star.
0: Thanks so much, Louise. A pleasure. Thank Thank you. you. Have a good one. Here's a cool fact.
1: The celebs, they will always be celebbing, and this week there's some highbrow celebbing from Paul Meskel, there's some lowbrow celebbing from Shane Lynch. No offence, Shane Lynch, I'm not saying that you're lowbrow, it's just the program is a little bit questionable. And of course, we had to talk about the glory that is the Barbie trailer this week to take us through the showbiz stories, I was with Cassie Delaney. Cassie Delaney of Tall Tales Podcast, it is a pleasure to have you back on the podcast. How are you doing?
4: yeah I'm flying at Louise. <laughs> just crazy.
1: As I asked you I was like we both just moaned to each other for five minutes like why am I even asking this question?
4: I feel like it's the theme every time we have a brief like 15 minutes of like oh this is a shit this is a shit and then we're like no it- Perfect.
1: I know we we really have to try and get more time in together in between where we're not recording so that we're not like pouring out each other's woes to each other right before we record. (laughs) But hey, that's life. That's life in 2K23. Like that's just how how shit is. Um, Okay. well, look, we'll skim over that and we'll get straight into our stories this week because we are here to talk about the entertainment stories of the week. And the first one is about our beloved Paul Meskel, Cassie. I don't know. Treasure. I love him. I do not know how much longer I can listen to Americans call him Paul Mescal before I yeah. fully lose it. It's I, I'm at breaking point.
4: I'm worried about the oversaturation of him just a tad. Yes. But I think if you break that up with Paul and Nell, we can just all enjoy the family together and they will net. we will never get sick of them. They are so endearing. Yeah. So obviously he's had a great week this week. And um, he won the best actor for his role in the Stanley as Stanley Kwaski in a streetcar named desire at which only just olivier, started olivier olivier yeah. yeah um which only just started but like he's he's phenomenal like he's incredibly talented yeah um so he was out at that last Saturday celebrating. Brought Nell, his sister, who's an incredible musician for anyone who's not familiar, uh, with him to the award ceremony. And then they celebrated afterwards with the McDonald's. So cute, so adorable. But since then, he's kind of being tipped to play Bond, which i am taking on, this I'm with a board large board. vial of salt like i think
1: i yeah. think it's it's like any actor who has any kind of moment all of a sudden it's that they're going to be james bond like and all these newspaper articles are like paul Musco tip to be the next james bond and then you look at like it's it's literally the website oddspedia <laughs> has yeah. offered odds and he's entered the market with 31 to 33 to 1 odds to become donald craig's successor like like not even the main person no, uh,
4: not but, even near the top no but, but ahead of there. Michael
1: Fassbender so <laughs> it's like okay you know
4: it's so funny I just I think Paul does really well in those roles where he doesn't have a lot of words and um, you know like he's it's it's a very kind of if you look at his performances in Normal People mm. in Aftersun and even recently in God's Creatures which is phenomenal and everyone should go see it he does the moody broody Irishman incredibly well and I just cannot see how that would translate into Bond but also he's just too young like he's 27 I mean Daniel Craig was 51 making no time to die Roger Moore was the oldest Bond at 57 if Paul Mescal signs up to Bond now he's going to be playing Bond for the next 40 years no there's no it's, way it's like a mortgage level of commitment he just he can't do yeah. that to himself
1: and it's also not who he is and it's not the films he makes. I'd say half these guys are so sick of like automatically being having them their names in the larger bond conversation even if they're not in the mm-hmm. actual bond conversation I'd say they're just like shut up anyway delighted that he yeah. won the Olivier love to see him win anytime his acceptance speech was very cute as expected extremely grateful mm-hmm. I feel like he named every person he's ever worked with he seems to worship the ground of all of the women he works with as well which obviously we it's love phenomenal. Yeah. and um, here for you Paul and um, not here for mezcal he needs to do a mezcal like the the alcohol he needs to do like a collab drink, yeah yeah collab. yeah I agree for sure okay um now let's talk about Louis Capaldi so I haven't watched this documentary yet but I'm actually gonna watch it today and um because I feel like it looks really good it's a new Netflix documentary and a few interesting bits have kind of come out of it haven't they Cass
4: yeah, for sure. So what we generally when we get these like biops of young stars doing well, we kind of get a behind the scenes typically with, you know, with the Selena ones and the, the Taylor Swift ones. We've seen how fame has impacted them throughout their entire lives. And that's a really interesting story. Yeah. But I think what's particularly interesting about Lewis is seeing how quickly and the implications of rising to fame in such a short space of time. Mm. So like we know Lewis is very funny very self-deprecating very charming and very enjoyable to follow on social media but he's not vulnerable he never really gives much away when Mm. he's kind of talking to camera and stuff like that so to have a documentary where we're going to see I suppose not the dark sides of fame but more of the impact of success can have on your Mm. mental health and your relationships and your work Mm. which is really interesting and so yeah this documentary covers a lot about his writing his second album um, and he says kind of in the promo sort of that he he was struggling to feel the balance between his familiarity of home normality everything he's ever known with then becoming one of the biggest stars on the planet yeah. and how that rise to fame and how that new world that he's in where he's suddenly playing all these arenas and he's known by everyone how that actually impacted his songwriting abilities yeah. um, but more than that he goes into the um, mental health aspect of Mm -hmm. his newfound fame. So struggling to feel excited about writing songs and and then developing ultimately this anxious twitch, which became progressively worse to the point where he was then diagnosed with Tourette's, something that he says makes complete sense and was always there. Mm. But um, very, very interesting that he talks openly about it and that we're getting this perspective on Tourette's because it is something he describes as only impacting him when he sings and when he makes music so Mm. that there is a real chance that he may have to give up creating music in order to preserve and maintain his his mental health Mm. and so yeah I think it's going to be really 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 interesting insight into Mm. the life of Lewis and all that comes with that you know quick rise and the 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 great success that he's had it's definitely an interesting approach to understand how things like tiktok and all that kind of stuff have mm-hmm. really impacted the fame of these young stars yeah
1: sorry i just was double check- if you heard that sound in the background it's because i just wanted to double check yet yeah, it is available now on netflix i'm actually going to watch it i think right after mm-hmm. we talk now um he's just so entertaining as well but i think yeah it's n- nothing is simple in this life i think that's that's what you learn as you get older so um it'll be interesting to see about all the other the other sides to his fame and his career now Mm. the new barbie trailer came out and it is just so exciting
4: i am obsessed with this i cannot i'm going to like count down the days in my calendar till we can go see this and then try and get a big crowd of yes. people together to the cinema and have a little party Um, super excited right the cast brilliant we knew some of them so we've got obviously margot robbie as as the lead barbie uh ryan gosling as the lead ken but obviously very entertainingly everyone else also plays different iterations of barbie and, and all the lads play ken <laughs> which ken. i had so not seen considered the
3: yeah <laughs>
1: hi barbie hi barbie hi barbie hi barbie
3: hi
4: barbie
2: hi barbie Ugh. hi ken hi ken
4: it's so funny so if you've seen the posters it's like kate mckinnon as gymnast barbie you know you've got harry neff as dr barbie emma mckay as a uh, physicist barbie duolipa as mermaid barbie nicola coughlin as diplomat barbie and then you just have you know scott evans kingsley ben and um, simulu you know as Ken. They're just another Ken. Yeah. Still it's, playing Ken. It's it's very cool. Rich. And like
1: obviously this is Greta Gerwig's Barbie movie. So, I uh, you know, it's so impressive to see the diversity like you've got trans people, you've got, you know, Sharon Rooney's in there who's like uh, such a gorgeous gorgeous girl and um, who's a plus-size actor. Like you've got Gay people You've got straight people You've got queer people You've got like every, I feel like everything is covered And it's just so exciting Because you know It's going to be really smart and funny And that's so obvious from the trailer
0: I thought I might stay over tonight Why? Because we're girlfriend, boyfriend
1: To do what?
4: I'm actually not sure.
1: Um, aside from the fact that visually yeah. it just looks unreal. Like everybody's talking about the shot in the trailer where, you know, you see her slip her feet out of her high heels, um, like slippers, mules, and then obviously stay on tippy toes walking away. It's so good. Yeah,
4: <laughs> the homage they're playing to Barbie is brilliant. But also I think the thing that got so excited about the trailer was there are so many um, very blatant connections to The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. So, as she's driving through in the trailer, you can see her drive past the cinema. All the posters there are the Wizard of Oz characters. It says the Wizard of Oz is playing as one of the, the shows. Mm. Um, and then obviously she's wearing the pink gingham dress in the opening scene, which is very indicative, very reminiscent of Dorothy's blue gingham mm-hmm. um, from the Wizard of Oz. So up until this point, we've been, the the plot of this film has been so vague. Yeah. um. And we haven't really known what way they were going to go down. Is it like a Legoland thing? Is it a Toy Story thing? Are the Barbies alive? What's the story here? Mm. So these links into The Wizard of Oz are getting people really, really excited. So, so far, the only synopsis we have for the film is after being expelled from Barbie land for being less than a less than perfect looking doll, Barbie sets off for the human world to find true happiness. Mm. So how that's going to look what's going to happen we do not know um but it's amazing that even the cast you know ray was who plays president barbie was saying when Greta Gerwig first explained the script to her she didn't understand it and mm. um, she said I, I just need you to explain what this is and even after Greta did that she was like it was entertaining but i still have no idea what this <laughs> movie is about so well, we I don't have that, that long that's... to
1: wait now. It's July 21st. It's going to be out here. I cannot wait. That's uh, three months away. Um, and I, I'm personally very excited for like the Barbie core fashion trends that are going to come out of it. There's absolutely no doubt to me oh, that that's I what's going to happen. I
4: thought about that. Yeah,
1: it's going to be. I'm very
4: excited. we we all need to go dress up as Barbies, go to the Lighthouse cinema, yes. watch it, and then we'll go for a pint afterwards or some little fruity cocktail. Yes.
1: Remember when all the guys, all the teenage boys were going to the Minions film and they were all wearing suits? Yeah. That needs to be us, but as Barbies. I'm so here for it. I'm
4: so buzzed for this summer. We're going to go straight from watching the Women's World Cup into Barbies and we are going to rule the world.
1: Yay! Oh, Hot Girl Summer Part 5 or whatever. Okay, uh, now mm. let's talk about the Country Music Awards. Um, now, obviously, there are lots of people in Ireland who are absolutely mad for country music. We are, there's a whole subculture of Ireland where all they listen to is country music. But I don't think we're as connected with the country scene in America as you would be, say, in America. But Kelsey Ballerini is one of the big rising stars of the American culture country scene. I have recently become borderline obsessed with her. um, And what happened this week only added to that. So tell us all about it, Cass.
4: For sure. So um, I suppose to give context to country music in the States, it's it's typically associated with republicans conservative mm. people as well which is very contentious because obviously at the moment there is a lot of conversations going on about restricting access to drag shows drag yeah. shows being outright banned in public spaces in some states and then that has a correlation with or a correlation with obviously the restrictions on gender affirming care mm. there is a real prevalent i suppose and restrictions happening with the lgbt plus community which we Hate to see. And mm. um, so Kelsey Ballerini this week stood up at the Country Music Awards in Texas and performed with some of the most remarkable stars from RuPaul's Drag Race, um, including Kennedy Davenport, which people will know, Manila Luzon, Jan Sport, and my, oh, I just love Olivia Lux. I think she's absolutely gorgeous. And mm-hmm. um, so she, Sang a, a, a version of her song, If You Go Down, I'm Going Down, too, which was so powerful because that song is about community and standing together and mm. support. So, to bring you know four gorgeous drag queens on stage mm. at a time when access to drag sco- shows is being debated foolishly or adult cabaret shows, as they like to call them. And mm. um, so, for someone who is in the country, very prolific in the country music scene associated with conservatism to come out and sh- publicly show her support um for the art form that is drag mm. is very very moving mm. and absolutely beautiful and i don't think that i think we can never underestimate the support of that allyship mm. and how I suppose how much of a protest that was for Kelsey to do, to stand up and, and to put herself, because we know typically a lot of musicians and country music stars, I think specifically will often stay apolitical yeah. if they disagree with the masses, but to actually go out there and have this yeah. proactive protest is yeah. just stunning. so Well, absolutely,
1: because, you know, historically it hasn't gone well for um country stars who've been outspoken about liberal political Mm -hmm. beliefs you know taylor swift it wasn't that long ago that taylor swift was literally begging her management to let her kind of take a side in the in the presidential election, the Dixie, they're not the Dixie Chicks anymore, the Chicks, when they were the Dixie Chicks, there's a whole album and documentary about the fact that because Natalie Maines made a comment about not being proud of uh, George W. Bush being from Texas, their music was literally burned and they got death threats. Like, you know, it's still that the chicks situation was a long time ago, but the Taylor Swift one wasn't that long ago. And it does have an yeah. impact on your career. And she didn't just do I mean that performance was amazing, but she was also hosting that night. So she opened the awards to, like calling for more gun control because of obviously what's just happened mm-hmm. in Tennessee. So like, you know, she is a badass. Also there is a whole other thing going on with her right now because she separated from her husband after five years of marriage um, in March or August excuse me and since then there's been so much drama well worth googling if you like drama um because he released a single like kind of dissing her and then she's released this unbelievable breakup album there's loads going on there so basically in short we stan Kelsey Ballerini and um if you don't know her it's worth getting to know that would be my tip for sure
4: yeah mm-hmm. and we have very very bad thoughts about the people restricting gender affirming care in the US. Fuck yeah, they that
1: absolute morons. Sorry, I, I'll get into it. I don't care. Like all of that stuff is just so absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, we didn't get to talk mm-hmm. about it in the news this week, but unfortunately... We can't pretend anymore that these kind of conversations happening in other countries don't come and cause problems for people in Ireland because literally we're having issues with libraries at the moment, with people protesting certain LGBTQ plus positive books being there. Like, you know, we need to be very, very careful. This is not something we can just look at in other countries and kind of laugh at because unfortunately this stuff spreads like wildfire now just before we go a little light relief uh, Shane Lynch was apparently very interested in satanic stuff before he found God
4: this was so strange because they're promoting one of the strangest tv shows I've ever heard of so um Shane Lynch as you remember from Boyzone the the bad boy of Boyzone mm-hmm. um said he was very interested in satanic stuff before he found God. So he was doing this in the promo run up to a show called pilgrimage, mm. but like could be called celebrity pilgrimage, which airs on BBC two tomorrow night. And is where a multitude of celebrities of differing faiths and beliefs are tackling a modern day Catholic pilgrimage. What? Um, so make of that what you will. Yes. Like the lineup is, um, is mad. It's um, okay. I'll give you the line up here really, really quickly. Okay. So it includes Shane Lynch, who obviously is representing Pentecostal born again Christians. Again, something I've lots of thoughts on, but I took off this. This is the time of the place. <laughs> um, actress Sue Pollard, who's raised Church of English. Um, Rita Simmons, Vicky Patterson, who is agnostic but practicing Catholic. Um, Bobby Siegel, Nabil, uh, Ab- sorry abdul rashid yeah so um and paralympian millie knight
1: yeah so it's loads of people who have who have different religions so sorry vicky vicky patterson is agnostic and then bobby siegel is a practicing catholic nabil is a muslim Mm -hmm. uh millie knight is a non-practicing church of england so it's all people from different religions going on a catholic pilgrimage talking about their religion
4: on the bbc which is yeah i mean things get made um, and funded by the BBC. So <laughs> very, very interesting. Um, Shane Lynch has kind of um, come out as the, the most interesting story, I guess, in the promo because of he him saying that he was really interested in satanic stuff. Understanding that there was a darkness is what sort of brought him into the light. And he explains how he was born and raised a Catholic, but... Um, was born again in his adult life, making the choice to be baptized again, again and has now got a direct relationship with God. Good for you, so, Shane.
1: Whatever gets you through the day. Yeah,
4: com- completely support that for him. Just a very interesting TV show yes. to be airing. If you want to
1: watch it, it's on tonight as you're listening. If you're listening Good on Friday. Friday, yeah, it's on Good Friday, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. God, it's a wild world out there, Cass, isn't it?
4: It truly is. I mean, we've come a long way from the passion of the Christ to celebrity pilgrimage, (laughs) but I wouldn't change the world we live in in terms of entertainment.
1: Me neither. Um, Cassie, where can people find you?
4: I am going to be at home all weekend watching these shows. Um, I'm going to watch (laughs) Lewis's documentary on Celebrity Pilgrimage. Online, I am at Cassie Lorraine everywhere.
1: And obviously you can listen to Cassie. She always forgets to plug her podcast. You can listen to Cassie on the Creep Dive. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you soon. Now it is just about time for me to go, but before I do, uh, please let me give you a couple of recommendations. First of all, if you're going to Barcelona, go to Bar Canete. It is, it was the second time that I've been there. Make a reservation for sure. It's very busy. It is a very bustly, fun kind of tapas really but like you know traditional Spanish food restaurant and um, but really delicious like really really delicious and vibey and I just can't recommend it enough if you want to check them out on Instagram it's bar underscore can c a n e t e. I have them tagged on my food post from that Barcelona trip in terms of watching as I said for family movies Super Mario Brothers is out now in the cinema and um, if you're looking for something to do with the kids over Easter or a nephew or niece or cousin or whoever whoever the child is in your life um. It's good. It is good. It's no great trial to go and watch. Um, And it's also, if you're someone who played Mario, it's really fun because it's so nostalgic. They've been really clever and fun about the way that they've included the music and the sounds and the various little elements of the game in the film and so yeah I would I would recommend I would also you heard myself and Cassie talking about the Lewis Capaldi documentary in the showbiz slot there I actually signed off from Cassie and I had a couple of hours to kill before I chatted to Margaret so I watched it and it is really excellent like I recommend it without hesitation it is I found it hard to watch at times because he has really been through it with his mental health and we knew that but like you know you really really see the depths of it and he's very honest about it and his parents are in it and his parents are absolutely gorgeous people who clearly love him so much and, and want the best for him Um, and I just think even if you remove the celebrity from it in terms of a documentary about someone's mental health journey it's really worth watching, and um, so that's on Netflix. It's called "What's It Called?" Look at me now. How no? How I'm feeling now, um, but yeah, it's there. And I think you know, watch that anyone would would enjoy and appreciate it while i was watching and i was like oh gordon probably wants to watch this anyway there you go um that's kind of it from me i hope you have a great week don't forget the patreon is there if you want to join up you'll get a bonus episode every second week last this week excuse me i put up as i said earlier that um episode starting with ray of light by madonna 25 years old this year starting with that as a as a point touch point for a conversation about madonna and um you know her impact and where she's going and all the rest with the always brilliant and thoughtful and hilarious john sullivan who you may know from gogglebox ireland my long-term friend and um, and there's lots of other episodes there as well myself and laura debarra doing housewives chat and um, there is also an episode of me and jen gannon talking about the pamela anderson documentary if you have watched that recently and of course the mailbag episode where i respond to your voice notes if you have thoughts if you have concerns if you have comments please Send them to me. I love, love, love to hear from you. I love hearing your voices. I love getting to know you. The number is 089 209 6423. So there you go. That's the story. and um, I thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to all my wonderful contributors and to ACAS for having me on the network. I hope you have a great week, but obviously, they can't always be great. So if it's not, don't worry, one foot in front of the other. And I will talk to you next Friday.